Greetings. It's so good to, in a sense, be with you again and yet not be with you. Uh, I'm sure you, like I, look forward to the day, hopefully coming soon, when we can be together, give each other a greeting with a hug or a handshake, uh, and, and be able to be face to face again, be in one another's very presence. Um, I'm looking forward to that day, but let's keep praying for that day to come and to come soon. This morning, I want to address uh, a few items uh, briefly, uh, and, and they're really going to be more from a personal perspective uh, because. Um, each of them, if I really looked at them very long, uh, would make it a very timely and yet very long process. And we don't have time for that this morning. So it's going to be centered around a couple of things. What do we do when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers? What do we do when God doesn't seem to answer our prayers in the way that we'd like them answered. What do we do when God seems to take too much time in answering our prayers? Let's pray. Jesus, I ask now by your Holy Spirit, wherever each person is at this particular moment, while they're watching and listening, that you will touch them by your Holy Spirit. Be with us, Lord, will you? Very present. And teach us and instruct us and lead us. And I ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So here's, here's a portion of our scripture for today. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice how it begins with if. And that's really going to be the focal point of, of what I want to say today. The if. It seems at first, upon reading this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, it seems like a legalism, like you have to do A and then B will happen. But I think it's a promise to us. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. And don't we want to obey his commands? Don't we want him to lead us? Don't we want to follow him? Don't we want to be with him? If you love me, you will obey my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. That's God's grace. God's grace at work toward us and eventually in us and through us. So what brought all this to mind for me? Well, about 20 years ago, I really wanted to be rid of something inside me. Not my stomach, not my pancreas, but more a, a, an inner healing was what I was after. I had a pretty rough childhood, and there were some lingering aspects of it that were adversely affecting me. 
What was really happening was that the Lord was bringing these things to mind by his grace so that both he and I, working together, could do something about it. And I prayed and I prayed. I, I, I went for healing prayer. I, I, I was very intent on being rid of this particular item. And one day, it seemed the Lord said to me, if I do not heal you right now, Mark, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> well, that shocked me. And it took me a few days to really adjust to what the Lord had said to me. What are you going to do about it, Mark? But Lord, wait, wait, wait. I want to be healed now. Don't, you know, you said ask and you receive. I, I, I want to be rid of this. What's going on? What are you going to do about it, Mark? What are you going to do about it? So what is it that we will do about it while we're waiting? I can say with, with great confidence that the Lord never healed me at any given moment of that particular item. But what he has done is he has, he has uh, matured me in the faith so that this item has become smaller and smaller and smaller over the years to where it's, it's not something that bothers me. I'm, I'm aware of it, but it, it's not a problem. And it's close to extinction. And I believe the Lord at one point will extinguish it. But he's working with that in me to transform me more and more into the person that he wants me to become. I'm not using that as an excuse for why God doesn't answer our prayers. I believe he is answering that prayer of mine, but it certainly isn't in the context nor in the way that I would have liked. So that's where grace comes in. And that's where we go back to the word if. If you love me. If. There's no if without a decision on our part. There's no if without choosing the Lord. There's no if without saying, Lord, I trust you. I believe you. I believe in you. I want to follow you. Even if you slay me, as Job said, yet will I trust you. That's where I want to be in my heart, with you, Lord. If, if. Now what about grace? Grace works out of this, out of God, out of the love of God. Grace is, is the um, kind of the engine of God's love that, that pulls us toward him, that makes us aware of him. Uh, Thomas Oden said uh, of grace that it's a new will being offered for the old life trapped in sin. A new will. When we don't think we can do it, when God seems so far away, God by his grace is offering us a new will so that we will say, yes, Lord, yes. In James 4, James says this, 
but he gives more grace, that is the Lord. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist literally means to range in battle against, to strongly oppose. And again in 1 Peter 5, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Isn't that like COVID, just prowling around? Seeking someone to devour, to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Stand firm. It's a kind of repentance, taking a contrary position where one turns away from from evildoers that want to do what they want to do. And sometimes it's hard to resist that, isn't it? Imagine talking to somebody and saying to them, well, the Lord, I've, I've been praying diligently for this, and it's been three months, and he hasn't answered my prayer. And then, then these people that you're with, they start complaining about the Lord. Well, what does that do to your heart? We need to be careful. We need to be on the alert. These are the things that we're going to do when God doesn't seem to answer our prayer, nor in the way that we would like or prefer. Resist the devil. Resist. When we want something for ourselves and it's not working out and the Lord is not, you know, we put the quarter in the machine and the Lord's not putting out the candy bar, what do we do? How do we adjust spiritually, emotionally? What do we do with our will? What are the choices we're going to be making during the day, each day, every day, when things don't seem to be the way we'd like them to be? And that's the key, like them to be. So how do we resist the devil? What are the forms of resistance that we have available to us in our Christian life? We have counseling. We have healing prayer. Most importantly, we have the reading of Scripture. We have confession, Bible study, prayer groups, We have fellowship with believers. We have communion. Successful resistance to Satan is grounded in our love for God and obedience to his commands. Now what do we mean by love? Most of the time it's not going to be a feeling. Love is an act of the will. And so we go back to that understanding of grace as being a new will being offered to the old life trapped in sin. It is an act of the will. And the more we do it, the more our hearts will change. Thomas Oden says this. Love is the key affection that gives contour to all other affections. If what one loves becomes radically redirected toward the love of God, notice that, repentance, radically redirected, then one's mind, will, emotions, and behavior will be subsequently converted and redirected. 
the more we follow the Lord, the more we choose him, the more we receive him, the more we will love him. That's why this section of John chapter 14 is, is really a promise to us. If you love me, you will keep my commands. You will stay on the straight and narrow. You will follow me. You will allow me to lead you. You will trust me. You will love me. And I believe, eventually, it opens our heart more and more so that we're loving, not like we'd like to love, but we will love in the matter of Jesus himself. The love of God. How do we go about this every day? Just by doing it. I learned to skate by falling down, getting up, falling down, getting up, falling down. Ice skate, that is. That's how we do it. We're going to fall. Are we going to get up? A friend once said that we will never be perfect as Christians. We will never be complete in this life, but our intent can be perfect. Our intent can be complete. We will fall, but we'll get up. We do not need an intent to fall. We should not want to sin, but we will, unintentionally, hopefully. Again, Odin says, sin is not committed out of invincible ignorance but out of personal will. The psalmist in Psalm 51, we read this yesterday during Ash Wednesday. My sin is ever before me. And that's a good thing. If we know our brokenness, if we know we have a need of a savior, that's what James means by the humble. He gives grace to the humble. If we know our need, it's going to be so much easier to receive him, to receive his grace, to allow him in to be with us. There's a Keith Getty song that that came to mind when I was going over this. I encourage you to listen to it on YouTube or if you have some other means of listening to it, please, please do. The music certainly helps the words. This is the first, first set. When I fear my faith will fail, Christ will hold me fast. When the tempter would prevail, he will hold me fast. I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path, for my love is often cold. He must hold me fast. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. For my Savior loves me so. He will hold me fast. My Savior loves me so. And how will we know that unless we receive him and get to know him? How will we know that he loves us? And as we love him, we will learn more how he loves so that we may love like him. Freedom in Christ is an act of the will as well. 
So what, what comes in the end? Remember when Peter was asked by Jesus, the disciples were asked, are you all going to leave me too? And Peter immediately got up and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Where would we go? There's no other place. There's no other name than the name of Jesus by which we will come to know the Lord and be in him and with him. Paul in Romans is very clear. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. God, by his grace, gives us the new will in place of the old will, trapped in sin. Our freedom comes only through Jesus Christ, only by his grace and love. And in the end, this is what comes. From 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We become more and more like him. And that's what he wants for us. He wants us to live his life, to be with him and in him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.